Thank you, Ruth and Emily, for leading us in that wonderful meditation on the doctrine of the Trinity. You're in good company, uh, not understanding the Trinity, or at least not comprehending it. Uh, Bavink says somewhere that mystery is the lifeblood of theology, um, that we, we don't think we get it all pinned down. Uh, Calvin says he loves this quote from Gregory Nazianzus, that as soon as I meditate on the three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, my mind immediately goes back to these three are one. And then when I think about them being one, it's three who are one. And so my mind goes back and forth and I can't contain it. And there's something of that in, uh, I think, in four-part harmony that we enter into it, this mystery. And yet if you think about it, you can't hear all four parts while you're singing. Uh, You've got to listen to it again and again. And so we keep coming into this mystery. Um, and in a sense, we join together as a congregation to sing something that only God fully hears. Uh, we finite humans don't hear all four parts. So anyways, there's my... Uh, little bit of mystery for the night. Thank you for that wonderful meditation. Let's turn then to the topic of anger in Proverbs, uh, shifting gears a little bit, hopefully not grinding gears, uh, but good, good uh, teaching from God's Word nevertheless. Let's begin with prayer. Lord, uh, our anger is part of how you've made us, and yet it has been twisted in a way that is so destructive to relationships, lives, uh, Indeed, entire uh, cultures get enveloped in wars driven by anger. And so, Lord, we ask that you would teach us to be wise in our anger, to model you, to live in a Christ-like manner. Uh, please use your word to sharpen us, to shape us, to teach us wisdom. By your Holy Spirit, give us a desire to be wise. Amen. Someday we'll figure out how to firm up that creaky uh, floorboard there, but uh, I'll just move here for now. Okay, we're talking about wisdom from the book of Proverbs. We're tracing out specific topics in the evening, uh, ways that we need to be wise. Wisdom is about uh, uh, not beyond good and evil in the Nietzsche sense that you cast off good and evil, but rather you get to a point, you know, good and evil, that's important to know the difference. Do good, don't do evil, okay? But then you get to a point where I have two jobs to take. Which offer do I take? They're both good jobs. Uh, there's two people asking me out on a date. Which one do I go out with? They're both good options. Uh, you know, those sorts of things. When you have more than one good option, it's not right and wrong, but it's weighing, uh, uh, you know, various alternatives to try and figure out how to be wise. And so wisdom is about navigating the complexities of life. Uh, anyone, actually I should say, anyone under 16, what is the beginning of wisdom? God, or, or, or specifically, what does Proverbs tell us? Yeah, you're on the right track. We'll let 16-year-olds weigh in, too. Does anyone know? It's going back to last summer. The beginning of wisdom is... Austin's about to explode. We'll get up to 32-year-olds 32, 32 soon. Sorry, someone's hand is up. Anya? Oh, a little too old. Sorry, doesn't call that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What's that about? It's saying rightly acknowledging who God is, who we are before God, that's the beginning of wisdom. So uh, our, our life before God lived in his presence, that's where wisdom comes from. God is to be our compass that steers us. Okay, we've been picking out different topics from uh, uh, Proverbs that we've been looking at this summer, trying to look for Proverbs wisdom for us, and someone's going to figure out that Basically, I just pick topics where I need wisdom personally, and so that's why we've talked about our words and our parenting and now our anger, and so anyways. Uh, uh, 
Uh, yep, so anyways, that's, that's how we selected these. First, just a handful, uh, here's what we're gonna talk about. Foolish anger, wise anger, how do we deal with angry people? Okay, so three big ideas. Foolish anger, wise anger, how do we deal with, with angry people? First, just a handful of proverbs on foolish anger. Uh, 14, 17. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Okay, when we see calmly, we see clearly, but if we're quick-tempered, it, it, it clouds our vision. We don't see things rightly. Uh, 29.22, a man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. That's 29.22, a man of wrath stirs up strife, Strife is conflict with others, other humans on the horizontal plane. Uh, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Transgression is breaking God's law. So it's saying our anger complicates these relationships horizontally, but it also affects our vertical relationship. Uh, 1919. A man of great wrath will pay the penalty. For if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. A man of great wrath is his own worst enemy. He's going to have to keep getting bailed out. 27.4, wrath is, is, is cruel. Anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Okay, anger's like a flood. Sorry, I'm just giving these to you. There's a lot like this. I'm just giving it to you in rapid fire so you get the big idea. Uh, 22, 24-25. Uh, this is not our own anger, but other people with anger. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Okay? Uh, we talked about friendship a couple weeks ago. Angry people are someone to steer clear of. You don't want to give them influence in your life. Of course, Proverbs, when it says, don't go with a wrathful man, it's not specifically talking about dating, but this is good advice. Uh, young ladies, if you see someone who's angry with his parents, his siblings, whatever, uh, good chance that after the um, uh, initial phase, he'll start turning his anger on you. So steer clear of wrathful people. What's the problem with anger? It's explosive, it runs hot, it clouds our vision, and so it leads us to make foolish decisions. Okay? Uh, we, we see this time and time again in Proverbs. Foolish anger, any questions there? Has anyone been anger, or foolish in their anger? Okay, me and Lulu, okay. <laughs> uh, no, others are raising their hands, just not as high as me. <laughs> okay, so anger, it, it, has the, it, it can blow things up. Okay, so let's turn the corner then, wise anger. What do we do about it? It's somewhere, an area where we all need anger. Well, first, what is anger? What is anger, anyone? I'll tell you what Aquinas says in a minute, but if you want to take a stab at it first. Yeah, Ryan. It's a reaction to either a real injustice or perceived injustice. Yeah, Ryan's like right there with Aquinas on his definition. Reaction to real or perceived injustice. Yeah, yippee. When you're anger is being very mad at someone. That's right. There's someone, an object. Yeah. So anger is a, 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 a reaction to perceived injustice. Yeah, that's a good, you got right there with Aquinas. Uh, Aquinas says the desire for vengeance in the face of justice, that something happens. 
to correct an unjust situation. Anger is tied up with our values, okay? Do you know right now, since it's a weekend, Sunday night, most likely there is a big line at the border crossing to go north into Canada. Do you realize that? But are any of you angry about that? When do you get angry about border crossing lines? When you're in it, when you've got to try and get across the border, okay? Because we value our time. I don't care about Canadians. I, I mean, I care about Canadians, sorry. <laughs> but the, the Canadians down at the outlet mall that are trying to get home, you know, that's their business. It's not, I don't, it's not tied up with my values, my sense of those sorts of things. Uh, you know, millions of people got cut off in traffic today, and I'm not upset about it. But if someone cuts me off in traffic, okay, it's about what I value. Uh, the downside of this is that so much of things like abuse and murder happen in the context of family because we value our family, but then it means in that context of where we value people, tempers run hot, okay? And when someone's not behaving the way that we think they should in our family, that sort of thing, it can trigger our anger. Uh, so, it, so that's, you know, our value is good and bad. So anger, uh, it, it's a reaction to perceived injustice. That's a great definition. It's a, uh, by analogy, it's like, you know, you have these oxygen sensors in your car that tell you if you're getting enough oxygen into your engine or gas sensors, all those things that set your engine light off. Okay, anger is like a sensor, uh, you know, in, your, in yourself that's telling you that there's injustice happening towards you or towards someone or something that you care about. Okay, so it's like a sensor in your car. It's triggering you, telling you that something is happening. Okay? And so it, there's both a physical and a mental component to anger. Uh, in, in Hebrew, the word for anger is the same word for nose. And I think the sense is if you've gotten really angry and you know you kind of get that fight or flight thing going on and you start feeling your blood going to your core and your tips of your things start getting numb and you can sometimes feel in the tip of your nose it starts tingling okay I think that that's maybe the connection there is that's when you're angry you're getting that kind of thing going on uh, it's also tied up with the words for heat uh, in Hebrew that it's it, it, it's a feeling of being hot um, we can you know, we can uh, uh, nuance that with modern science that your body gets flooded with adrenaline and all these sorts of hormones and things uh, when you are angry. But it's not just a physical thing, there's a mental component, okay? If anger is a response to injustice towards things that we care about, then our evaluations of things, in a sense, dictates when we are and aren't angry, okay? What we value, and that's, that's a mental decision, we value things, um, leads to us being vulnerable or open to anger on those things. But then also we evaluate a situation to say, this is a threat to that thing I care about. Okay, and so, so there's a mental component, a physical component. Uh, saying that there's a mental component though doesn't mean that there is, uh, that we like rationally decide to get angry, like I'm gonna choose to get angry right now. Sometimes you can work yourself up into a fit of anger, uh, dwelling on things. But it's saying kind of a few steps back from that, I choose what I value, and I evaluate the situation that's going on, and once I perceive a threat to those things I value, then the anger sensors are triggered and you start having the experience of anger. Okay, so if anger is like a sensor, in and of itself, anger is part of the good design of our human nature, okay? It's good that your cars have sensors in them that tell you things, 
no one knows what. Give the car dealer money, I guess is what the sensor means. But it's good that your car has those sensors. I'm just joking. Uh, it tells you that something's wrong, that something needs dealt with. Likewise, anger is part of our good design. It signals to us that something is going on that's unjust. And in fact, not having anger can be wrong. Okay? Uh, being angry because someone at the supper tonight gets a larger piece of pie than you, that would be wrong. Okay? That's, that's, that's not good anger. At the same time, when we hear about things like, um, uh, sorry for kind of intense example, but uh, when I was uh, going to school at Regent, there was kind of a, a debate going on. And you, in the U.S., we tend to overdo uh, our penalties in the criminal system. And yet there was this case that happened in Vancouver during that time where a live-in boyfriend was abusing a child uh, for like years. And I think he was sentenced to like two years in prison. And there's a sense of like anger that this is unjust. This is not a fitting punishment for the crime that had happened. And if you don't have a sense of anger in the face of injustice, it actually is a deficiency, not necessarily a good thing. So for a lot of us, the message tonight is going to be we need to be cool in our anger. For some of you, the message is you actually need to ha be a little bit more angry about some things that are wrong when they are wrong. Uh, again, pointing this out, that anger is a good part of our human nature and that there's a place for it, we can look to Christ. We see him angry a number of times. Okay, uh, think back to the Gospel of Mark when we went through it. He was angry uh, in the face of uh, uh, one of the men who was, uh, uh, had a disability that needed healed, and he was angry about that, saying this is not God's good intention for the world, uh, the way that this man is. It's a deficiency, and I'm angry about that. Uh, when he goes into the temple and he's seeing the temple being misused, he's angry about it. Okay, um, and so there's times to be angry. Yeah, Nick. You use the word deficiency, and maybe that's a potentially broader than the injustice. I mean, if, if, if I, in the morning, see that I left something out of the freezer all night, uh, yeah. I'd be angry with myself or I knock a glass and breaks. You know? Yeah. Injustice maybe is a, a little narrow there. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's, that's right. And I think we'll get to this in a minute here. Um, that, or actually, we'll just talk about it now. Is, I think when we're talking about God and God's anger, God has a vision for the world that's flourishing, and that's how he created the world to be. When it's off track from that, then in a sense, all of that, uh, yeah, there are, um, finitude is not injustice, uh, mistakes are not injustice, and yet things like um, uh, seeing someone's life being uh, not flourishing because of this, that, that is falling short of God's uh, vision for creation, for, for the goodness of flourishing of the world. Um, yeah, I think Aquinas specifically focuses on injustice and justice, and I think it's broader than that. I, uh, yeah, I, I think it is broader than that. There, we can be angry about things that it's not injustice per se, but it's um, a threat to something we care about. Or, but maybe the righteous anger is Yeah, yeah, and, and, and he describes justice in a sort of broader, or injustice in a broader sense where it can be a slight to myself or, or a number of things that, that fit under there. Um, yeah, injustice in that broad sense of a lack of conformity to God's goodwill for creation. Um, yeah, so anger uh, uh, is part of our good design. 
it's a, it's a sensor, it helps us alert that something is going on. Um, what's gone wrong then? Okay, well, probably we all know the answer to what's gone wrong. It's our sin uh, has complicated things. Uh, one way of defining sin is that we've turned away from our focus on God that we ought to have and we are now focused on ourselves. And so our anger, like many other things, is now self-centered. Okay, so it's like the sensors have been calibrated incorrectly. So they go off at times that they shouldn't, or it, it goes off to a much higher degree than it ought to because of our self-centeredness. Let's say we overvalue ourselves, and so our anger is triggered at times that it ought not. Uh, and so uh, uh, one author puts it this way, anger, our anger, our unrighteous anger, our, our, our wrong, sinful anger, indicts others and acquits ourselves. Okay, so when you're angry, the other person, they're wrong, they're guilty, they're indicted, but you acquit yourself, you know, you let yourself off the hook. Um, uh, another author writing about uh, anger in the Bible comments that throughout, especially the Old Testament, we see four areas where anger tends to crop up in different uh, Old Testament narratives. So when someone's control is threatened, when their possessions are being threatened, uh, when their sexual desires are being thwarted or when their reputation is being threatened. Those are four areas where people are often angry in the Bible. And, and surely that does seem to map out where people are often angry today as well. So anger is a good thing. It's meant to be like a sensor that alerts us to something not being the way it ought to be, to uh, a threat to our things we care about. But those sensors have been uh, calibrated incorrectly by our sin, by our self-centeredness. Um, uh, so what do we do about it? Let's turn then to consider wise anger, wise anger. Here we're going to look at maybe uh, four or five Proverbs. The first is in chapter 14, 29 to 30. 14, 29 to 30. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Exalting folly, is, you're putting it on public display. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Okay, uh, actually, let me read three real quick, and then, we'll, and then let's talk about them. 1518, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. And then 1632, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You notice a common uh, term in all three of those? Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who is slow to anger quiets contention. Slow. <laughs> Are you hearing Albert and Ruth hinting? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Just trying to get Felix. Yeah. Trying, to get Felix. trying to get Felix. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so the goal in Proverbs for wise anger is not no anger, and it's not blowing up explosive anger, but it's slow anger. Okay? It's slow anger. It's measured. Um, who, so going back 14, 29 to 30, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Remember from maybe from last summer, there's all this wisdom vocabulary of uh, being wise, being understanding, uh, having knowledge and good sense, okay? 
being slow to anger has good understanding. You rightly are able to evaluate things. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. He puts it on public display. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but an envy makes the bones rot. Proverbs wisely discerns that nursing resentment is bad for our bodies and our souls. Okay? Hanging on to our anger actually has physiological effects. 1518, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Okay, quarrels, uh, Derek Kidner says, quarrels depend on people more than the subject matter. Okay, two people who are slow to anger can talk about quite a difficult situation or quite a difficult subject matter without it becoming a quarrel. Okay, say, um, you built your fence on your neighbor's side of the property line. Okay, there's a dispute over property. That's a contentious issue. You both have things at stake. People who are co- uh, slow to anger can have a conversation about that without it becoming a quarrel. On the other hand, hot-tempered people stir up strife. Okay, it has more to do with the disposition of the individuals than the subject matter. 1632, this is a profound uh, a proverb. Whoever's slow to anger is better than the mighty. Okay, this is like in the day of David, when it's important to be a mighty man. Uh, Again, I mentioned I just finished Judges in my devotions. Uh, You know, Samson grabbing the jawbone and killing however many people he kills in a battle. I mean, the valor of a warrior is upheld as a great thing. And yet, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. Okay, yeah, it's great to be mighty. It's great to... To, to take a city in battle if you're able to do that, but even better than that, because it's even more difficult than that, is being slow to anger and ruling your spirit. Uh, 1430, the flip side uh, is, is it's uh, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. Okay, being calm is life-giving to ourselves. So the common factor is being slow to anger. That's what wise anger looks like. Not blowing up Not no anger, but slow to anger. How do we become slow to anger then? I want to narrow in for a minute on Proverbs 19.11. Proverbs 19.11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it it is his glory to overlook offense. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook offense. Okay, we see that sort of... um, reciprocal, almost paradoxical thing that Proverbs keeps doing. If you're slow to anger, you have great understanding, and good sense makes you slow to anger. It sounds like you need the thing that you want to get the thing that you need, right? That it's that kind of thing. But that's what Proverbs keeps talking about wisdom, is you grow into it over time. Uh, Good sense makes one slow to anger. What's that talking about? It's saying an insightful person delays or slows their anger. It's taking time to rightly evaluate the situation. I'll use an example from parenting. We talked about parenting last week. But in parenting, uh, uh, parents have to discipline their children. It's hopefully no parent's favorite part of parenting. Um, uh, and when you have to discipline a, children, some, uh, a child, something's going on, there's always two levels at play. There's always two levels at play. One, the child has done something wrong. There's some behavior that needs corrected. Two, your pride as a parent is wounded, okay? There's always those two elements, okay? You said don't eat cookies before dinner. 
They ate cookies before dinner. Okay, that is going against your word. Okay, that's something that's an inappropriate behavior. And yet it's also a challenge to your authority. And that gets your pride going. Okay, so how does a wise person handle their anger in that situation? Good sense makes one slow to anger. You slow down and you evaluate. Okay, I'm 10% mad that they ate a cookie before dinner. I'm 90% mad that they directly challenged my authority. What's a realistic, what's realistic discipline look like in that sort of circumstance, okay? It's not 100%, right? Or uh, do you need me to spell this illustration out more? Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that you're always, uh, you're always evaluating these things, okay? Um, or it can go another way. It's not just, uh, maybe, maybe even more for fathers, it tends to be my authority is being challenged. Maybe this is more for mothers, but I always hesitate at generalizations, is uh, you find out that your child has been smoking under the bleachers at school, okay? Smoking under the bleachers, yeah, that's not great behavior. Uh, but there's also this wounded pride thing of, my kid is smoking under the bleachers? That reflects on me. Now everybody knows that my kid is, you know, whatever that is, and you feel like um, let down or, the, or the, the, that a bad perception of you is being given to others. Again, uh, there's two elements going on there. There's wrong behavior that needs corrected, but there's also your own uh, self-interest, your own pride that's wounded. And so a wise person, wise anger, takes good sense and sorts that out. Okay, how much is this anger because of the actual behavior? How much this anger is because of my own wounded pride? And it's the glory of a, of a wise man or wise woman to overlook offense. Is, that, is everybody tracking so far? Okay. Okay, uh, James makes the same point in, in, in James chapter 1. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay, uh, Psalm 4-5, uh, uh, be angry and do not sin. Okay, there's this recognition that when we're angry, it's easy to sin, and so we need to be slow to anger, uh, also quick to hear, slow to speak, okay? Sorting out what's really going on in the situation. Okay, so wise anger is about is slow anger. Last, last topic briefly here is how do we deal with angry people? How do we deal with angry people? Two proverbs on this. Uh, first is 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Notice a harsh word, it's singular. Okay? One rude word, one harsh word can stir up anger. But the antidote to that is, is, is soft, or, or the word can mean gentle, mild. Okay? A, a gentle answer turns away anger. Uh, we do have to hold this intention. On the one hand, that's good wisdom. Okay? Uh, 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 a soft answer turns away wrath. That's good wisdom to keep in mind. If someone is getting heated with you, uh, yelling back at them, okay, that doesn't de-escalate the situation. That just makes them angrier. They say things that makes you angrier. It just keeps going back and forth. You're playing off each other. Okay, a soft word turns away wrath. Someone in that situation has to be the loser, as it were. Someone has to say, I'll be gentle. You've said things that have wounded me. You've said things that are hurtful and angry, but I'll be the one to, to be gentle, to put down my uh, 
gun or whatever it is, you know, put down my weapons and, 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 and make peace here. We do have to hold this intention, though, with uh, 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 Proverbs 22 that we looked at earlier about not being friends with a hot-tempered person. Okay, so there's a balance here. Uh, everyone gets into conflict. Everyone loses their temper. Everyone has anger. And in that circumstance, the right thing to do is use a soft word to turn away wrath or a gentle word to turn away wrath. Uh, 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 but at the same time, if someone is an uh, abusively angry person, Proverbs also tells us to pull away from that person. Don't just keep putting yourself in a situation where they're constantly abusing you with their anger. Um, so those, those two, we need to hold those wisdom together. Uh, the other proverb then, is chapter 25, 21 to 22. Uh, 25, 21 to 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Okay, this is developing the same idea of a soft answer turning away wrath. If your enemy's hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. You'll heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. I want to come back to this theme of God's anger as we end here. Uh, the Bible talks about God being angry, uh, not as often as you might think, although it does talk about it. It's interesting in Genesis, it never talks about God being angry. The first time we hear about God being angry with someone was what we looked at last week in, in Exodus 4, that it's in the context of a covenantal relationship with Moses and Moses saying, no, thank you, God. Uh, th that's where God gets angry. And yet, even there, we see how God's anger plays out. Uh, if, if anger is about the things we value being threatened, then we understand God's anger as a result of his love of his creation and a love that exists in the Trinity uh, between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so when it's an attack on the Father, Son, or Spirit, the Father, Son, or, you know, the other members of the Trinity are are angry at that uh, attack on God's own glory, but then God's creation that he loves. Uh, he's angry when we twist his creation, when we abuse it, when we destroy it. And so Romans 1 uh, and then 5, I'm just going to read these two together. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Okay? Ungodliness, denying God, unrighteousness, behaving wrongly in creation. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. But then jumping ahead to chapter 5, since therefore we have been saved by Christ... Uh, no, sorry, I'm, I'm not reading my notes. Since therefore we have been justified by Christ's blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Okay, Romans tells us that God, uh, he, he's, his wrath, his anger is revealed because humans have twisted his good creation and rebelled against him. And yet, his wrath doesn't lead to the destruction of all things. Rather, while we were still enemies, okay, while we were the objects of his anger, nevertheless, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. There's the ultimate soft answer turning away wrath. Okay, we were enemies of God. God took the loss, gave the soft answer in Christ so that we could be reconciled to God through the death of his son. 
Proverbs 25, 21 again. Hear this again in light of Romans 5. If your enemy, we were God's enemy, is hungry, give him bread to eat. Christ says, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. If your enemy, we were God's enemies, is thirsty, give him water to eat. What does Christ say? Here is living water. All who are thirsty, come to me and drink. Uh, Proverbs 25, 21, I think we, it's showing us God's own wisdom. We were God's enemy, enemies. We were hungry. Christ gave himself to feed us. We were God's enemies. We are thirsty. Christ gave himself as water for us to drink. So as we try to be wise in our anger, slow to our anger, reconciling to those who are angry with us, we're really just modeling God's own behavior, God's own character. Any other thoughts on anger? Sorry, I know that was a little bit much. Yeah, Lulu. Yeah. Um, is that something that is a characteristic of, of a person that you're speaking? In other words, if we ever have quick anger, yeah. would that be considered, oh, well, that was wrong because that wasn't very slow of you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, no. Uh, okay, so there's, there's two elements going on. Uh, and so it's interesting, like even pre-modern psychology, Thomas Aquinas talks about with the humors and the biles and stuff. I think bile causes anger and bile moves quicker than some other humor. And so anyway, so, but that, that kind of Christian theology has always taken on board the insights into our bodies. Uh, we are constituted physically in different ways. And so some of us, it's just by nature easier to get angry than others. Um, and so it's no great virtue that someone who is very patient just by their physiological disposition, that they're patient, uh, you know, versus someone else who's prone to fly off the handle, uh, that may look different. So, so we have our own um, hand that we've been dealt and, and we're called to play that. So that's one part of it is some people, they're just slower to get angry. Um, but I think when Proverbs is talking about be slow to anger and then especially um, be angry and do not sin, is it's not so much... Uh, the thinking 50 years ago was you've got to venture anger, okay? And it's, it's warmed over Freud. It's entirely, as far as I can tell, disproven. But the thought was if you bottle up your anger, it builds up, and then eventually you explode and do crazy things. Uh, and so just, just vent it periodically. Kick the dog occasionally, and that helps you know, with your anger. Um, it, it seems much more the case that we discipline ourselves, train ourselves in certain patterns of behavior. And so if every time we feel a little bit of anger, we vent it, ourselves into someone who's constantly venting their anger at every situation. If we are slow to anger, you know, we train ourselves to be, okay, I'm feeling angry. Uh, why am I feeling angry? And this is the um, uh, 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 good sense makes one slow to anger. Okay, why am I feeling this? What do I value that's being threatened? Is this actually a real threat or just, you know, am I overseeing this? Uh, is it partly pride? Where does that play into this? And you're sorting through that I think that's what slow to anger is about. So in terms of are you feeling the rush of adrenaline quicker or slower, that's a physiological thing that we don't really have a lot of control over. But in terms of how do we handle that, I think that's where the slow to anger comes into it. Does that answer the question? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. Those aspects that you were talking about. Yep. But sometimes I think 
Yeah. I don't think we necessarily need to go home and think about it. Yeah. Pray about it. Yeah. You know, the anger is there, possibly. And yeah. it very well may be a good thing at the moment. Yeah. So I don't want to be um, misunderstanding, thinking yep. that at all times, slowness. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely right. So it and it is a sensor, and it's alerting you. And so sometimes the sensor is going off and saying, you know, this person is is picking on this person. Someone needs to step into the middle of that in the moment. Uh, you know that sort of thing. Um, I, I I had an illustration that I skipped earlier just for sake of time, but it's a good illustration. Is uh, my father-in-law when when Kelsey was I think a baby, um, uh, he was driving home with his my mother-in-law, Kelsey, in the car, and um, some late teens, you know, late at night, they were driving a VW Beetle, and they turned the headlights off and drove in their lane just to kind of screw around and then drove back in their own lane to play chicken kind of a thing. And my father-in-law whipped his car around, followed them down to the grocery store where they pulled in on South Would Be There, uh, and it was a VW Beetle with one of the little sunroofs, and he reached through, you guys have seen, some of you have seen my father-in-law in church for six, 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 seven. He reached through the sunroof, grabbed this kid by his hair, and lifted him up, and <laughs> laid into him. That, that was so stupid, you don't ever do that again if I ever catch you doing that. You know, the, laid into him, and the, the friend in the passenger seat, uh, he looked at him and he said, yeah, mister, he's the stupidest person I ever met. I've never, <laughs> so, I, but in that moment, yeah, your, your family is being threatened. This is something that's absurd. I don't, I, I mean, <laughs> we, I come from a more blue-collar church. Uh, one other story. He was, is an, was an elder at the church that we grew up in, and a good, a good elder, but um, you know, salt-of-the-earth man, and so he was helping someone uh, who was dealing with meth addiction and meeting with him every day at lunch break, and this guy had a family and kids, you know, all in the church, and he came one day to meet with him, and he, my father-in-law realized that he was high then, that he'd used that day. And he, uh, again, you see my father-in-law, his size, uh, punched this guy in the gut. <laughs> and he's doubled over, he said, you gotta take this seriously, <laughs> get serious on. So, you know, there is a time and place for anger. Um, uh, the guy's doing really well now. <laughs> I don't know that that was exactly the turning point, but it was a serious moment where it's like, okay, this is serious stuff here that, uh, so, yeah, there is a time and place for anger. Uh, it, God gave it us anger for a reason. Yeah, Chris. The fear of your father-in-law was beginning of Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yep, Jan. I find it really helpful um, to run to the Lord mm. if there's something. I don't, a lot of times I don't really know why. Yeah. And to find out what the root of it is, and then I can deal with it yeah. more wisely. Yes. Because, and you know, sometimes that's just my feelings are hurt. Yeah. It doesn't really need anything more than just to tell the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, uh, the Sandra McCracken version has helped me to learn it, but Psalm 42, why are you disquieted within, O oh my soul? Yeah. There's times where our, we're stirred up and say, why am I upset? Yeah. I don't even know why I'm upset. And you need, yeah, God to search you and help you, yeah. help you see what's going on. Um, I guess another Augustine that you know me more better than I know myself. Yeah. That you're more intimate to me than, than my own inner being. Um, yeah, Hosanna. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes, that um, you you have the gospel and you seem to be t- you're turning back on that. Why would you do such a thing? That, and, and it's his concern for them that leads him to be angry because they're going down a path that's yeah damaging them. Yeah, uh, Alex. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I think it's better. I think praying the imprecatory psalms uh, against God's enemies is better than the alternatives that we come up with ourselves. So instead of praying that God deals with his enemies as he sees fit, then we try and deal with God's enemies ourselves in ways that are unhealthy. And so I think, uh, again, actually coming back to Exodus 5 from this morning, taking it to God and leaving it with him, uh, yeah, our prayers can be pretty, our prayers can be pretty gritty. Uh, so yeah, smash their teeth. Sometimes there's nothing better to do. And it's much better to pray that God smash your teeth than try and smash someone's teeth yourself. So, so it's, yeah, I think taking, your, taking those things to God in prayer is doable. Um, yeah, and then I would probably filter those psalms through baptism being death and rebirth. So hopefully he defeats his enemies in the death of baptism and the rebirth to new life. Um, yeah, good, good comment. Okay, well, let's, oh, yeah. Yep. I'm Lori. Yep. <laughs> Mm. On the head. What, what do you think that means? Uh, I mean, it, 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 it seems to be it's getting their attention. You know, it's the, a life well lived is the best revenge, that sort of thing that you're, uh, yeah, um, you're going to get the better of them. I think that's, yeah, the sense of burning coals. I don't, I don't have a strong, strong view on that, though. Well, let's, let's turn then to our time of corporate prayer. Uh, are there requests or thanksgiving to share with, with the congregation?